Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I am coming to you from Austin, Texas, on a day that is very meaningful to me. The 11th of April, 2002. Two years ago on this day, my father took his last breath. And I was there holding his hand. And it was one of the more beautiful things I've ever experienced. Devastating to lose someone you love with all your heart. But beautiful to be there with them. Beautiful to hold their hand. Ramdas said, we're all just walking each other home. My dad was really good at walking me home. I always felt safe with him. He was a warm hug. Always forgiving. Always willing to be there. I'd share with friends who asked about him. I'd say, you know, if you were to come here at 2 in the morning and I asked my dad to pick you up at the airport, he'd be there. Not because he knew who you were or he wouldn't even ask me what you meant to me. He'd just be there because I asked. And I think about that. I think about what it means to, to really be there. I thought about that a lot two years ago as I was sitting next to my father's bed, which we had put in the dining room as we held hospice, the sun setting in the springtime in Chicago. I remember taking walks that week, walks to places I had grown up playing in walks where I had played tennis with my dad, places where I had grown up playing soccer. And I remember being in the home that he had raised me in and thinking, if I'm lucky, I'm in the second half of this life. And at this stage in his life, when he was my age, He was already with family and with partner. And I haven't quite gotten there yet. But what it really makes you think is, is what is important in this life? And why do we get so caught up in such trivial things, such trivial problems, challenges? Few of which really mean anything at all. There's a beautiful, beautiful blog post that I read recently called The Bitter End. And in it, the author distills our time into graphs that are quite, quite poignant. And in that graph, 
he says, if you're over 18 years of age, you've already spent more than 90% of your time with your parents. And he distills down the number of days that we have, the number of weeks we have in the average lifespan. And that's if we're lucky. And it's quite a reckoning to look at the time that we have left and to realize that it's really not that, that much. You know, the Stoics have the saying, memento mori, and that is to live with death on our doorstep, to live with death as a catalyst for, for life and to truly live. And I took some time today to sit outside and to listen to the, uh, the trees, to look at the leaves and the way that the sun kissed the green of the oak tree. I'll look up and see the birds and realize that these are the true gold moments in life. If we have our health and we have time ahead of us, we are truly wealthy. And I thought about Steve Jobs, billionaire. What would he have given up to live one more year of life? What would he have given up to, to be able to spend more time with his family, to, to live just a little bit longer? And how many of us squander our time because we don't have that poignant memory, that poignant reflection, that poignant context by which to assess the value and virtue of each day. There's a quote that Steve Jobs actually shared in, in the famous commence, commencement speech he gave to Harvard in 2005 that, I, that I'd like to read. And he said, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. I think this speech is, is profoundly grounding. <laughs> and as I think about my dad who's now with me in spirit. I implore you to think about the people that you love. I think the greatest thing I've done in this life, when my dad was taken or diagnosed, I should say, with dementia, was when I decided to take him on a trip. I said, Dad, I'll take you anywhere in the world you want to go. And my dad was too humble to 
to ask me to take him anywhere. If it was up to him, he probably would have just said, hey, take me to the diner down the street. But I said, no, Dad, stamp your passport. And I knew that he loved nature, and I knew that he loved history. And so I took him to South Africa. And together we visited Nelson Mandela's prison cell. We drove from the Atlantic to the Indian Oceans. We drank wine in the wine country of Stellenbosch and Franschhoek. We swam in the pool together. I surprised him with a safari in a place where they had rescued elephants. And we rode together on those elephants as mothers called out in the night and their babies came to join us in the in the evening stars, in the safari, in the, in the beautiful, beautiful savannas. And we had sundowners cocktails as we watched elephants bathe in the beautiful lakes. And I remember looking over at my dad and I remember holding his hand and I remember giving him a hug. And creating the memories while we still could knowing that his time was limited and knowing that his memories were limited, all of a sudden the time that we had together became precious. And I've had people write to me when I shared my journey with my dad and they shared their gratitude because they had decided to take their mom or their dad or their brother or their sister out for a weekend or out for dinner or out on a trip. And I love hearing those stories. I don't know what's most important to you, but I'd venture to guess that there's someone out there that you love. I challenge you to take some time, even if you're estranged, maybe especially if you're estranged, to take them out and show them how much they mean to you. There's a beautiful prayer that the Hawaiians use called Ho'oponopono. And in it, in that prayer, <clears throat> There's four simple things that you can share in your own words as a deep healing. And they recommend it in palliative care when you're saying goodbye to people you love. And that is, thank you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I love you. Please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you. These four things you can share your own words behind, but they're, they're poignant ways to uh, share deep truths. And whomever your people are, I'm using today to really think about what really matters in this life. And I think at the end, 
on my deathbed. What really matters to me is that I live full out. That I do the best job that I could in living with my heart. That I shared quality time with people I loved. That I laughed. That I was joyous. That I left the world hopefully a little bit better than I came in. And that I loved well. And I think when we think about, which I would challenge you to do, when we think about our end and the time we have left, I think it's incumbent upon us to love well. So my friends, because my dad loved well, I'm sharing a little bit more of a vulnerable side of my heart today in hopes that it inspires you in some small way to show someone you care about how much you love them, to love them well. Because I think my dad has one legacy that shines to this day. It's the way that he loved, the way that he showed up. He loved me well. And I'll never forget that. I hope you guys are doing beautifully. I hope you're surrounded by people you love. And if you're not, I hope you take the time to mend your relations or go find your people and, and spend quality time with them. Or to commit, as I just did, as I took out a book that sat on my shelves for years called Calling in the One. To do the work to open your heart to love. Because I reckon there's nothing more important in this life than loving well. Thank you for listening. And... Uh, if you do one thing, please reach out to someone you love and do something to show them how much they mean to you. Sending love to you and yours.